Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a die-hard Yankees fan since I was about 7 years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. So this week um, on Historic Pinstripes, the, uh, the topic is going to be on Ralph Terry's redemption story. Um, and getting right into it, uh, starting off uh, October 13, 1960, uh, the 1960 World Series versus the Pirates. It was Game 7 of the World Series. And, um, of course, the game-winning home run was hit by Bill Mazeroski off of Ralph Terry. Uh, Bill Mazeroski, of course, was the hero, ends up becoming a Hall of Famer. And um, Mazeroski was not known for his offense at that time. He was known as being a great, great defensive second baseman. Um, I believe he was a pretty good contact type of a hitter, but he was not known for his power at all. Um, and Ralph Terry had a pretty decent year that year. He was 10 and 8, 340 ERA. He was just 24 years old. He made 23 starts, 35 games that he pitched in, 166 and a third innings pitched, or actually 166 and two thirds innings pitched. And he pitched uh, to a 108 ERA adjusted. Again, the ERA adjusted just shows the um, how how good overall a player is. Uh, 100 is an average pitcher, and he was 108. So, um, so actually, no, he was 106 for his ERA adjusted. And so he was a above average um, pitcher that year in 1960. Um, then um, after 1960, which, of course, was a tough way to finish off the season, ending the year, having to leave the field as the Pirates are celebrating, winning the World Series, um, and especially a World Series that the Yankees really should have won because the Yankees were heavy, heavy favorites against the Pirates. Um, so that had to be extremely hard. Um, but he bounced right back in 1961, and of course so did the Yankees, having one of their greatest years of all time. I think the Yankees won 109 games in 1961 as a team. Um, Ralph Terry was 16-3, had a 3-1-5 ERA, 27 starts um, he made. He had a thir 31 games played. Um, he had pitched in 188 in the third innings, and he also had a 118 ERA adjusted. So he definitely came back strong um, and had a very good regular season. Of course, the Yankees made the playoffs. Um, or Obviously, back then, if you made the playoffs, you went to the World Series because the, there were no divisions. It was just American League, National League. I think it was eight teams in each league. And there was one winner in each league. Um, also, another note from 1960 was Casey Stengel had been a longtime manager for the New York Yankees. I think from like 1949 or some something like that. It was um, all the way to 1960. And after that, after losing the World Series in 1960 to the Pirates, which, as I said, the Yankees were heavy favorites, he ended up losing his job. And Ralph Terry felt very bad. Um, because Ralph Terry was a young pitcher, and Casey Stengel just told him, I, I mean, Ralph Terry felt bad. He he felt like he let him down, but Ralph Terry, I mean, uh, uh, Casey Stengel just told him just to, you know, go out there and have a better year next year, pretty much. Um, they, he, I mean, obviously, I'm sure they had words, and they, they spoke about it, and, you know, like, it wasn't that Ralph Terry was just trying to lose the game. It's just he didn't make a very good pitch, 
Um, he he didn't do what he wanted. He didn't execute the pitch the way he wanted it, and Bill Mazeroski made him pay. And um, Casey Stengel knew it because Casey Stengel was a smart, smart baseball guy. Um, so Ralph Hook took over as the manager in 1961. As I said, the Yankees had a great year in 61, one of the greatest years in their history, uh, 109 wins. Um, uh, of course, Ralph Terry goes on to be 16-3 and with a 3-1-5 ERA. Um, and then they make the World Series. They face the Cincinnati Reds. And they swept the Reds. Well, actually, no, they beat the Reds in five games. But um, Ralph Terry did not have a very good World Series at all. Obviously, coming off the, the loss in 1960, and really was off of the, the last pitch that was thrown in 1960 was from the the hand of Ralph Terry. And it went into the seats by Bill Mazeroski as he hit the home run. Um, so go, going from that, he needed to bounce back in the postseason and show people that he was... He, he was he was capable of pitching in the postseason and he just didn't do it. He he had a he was he pitched I think to a ERA over four that year in the World Series. So he really I mean, it uh, he really didn't have a great um postseason and he was kind of known by that time as being just not a clutch pitcher and not a good postseason pitcher. Um uh, someone that can just uh you know, pitch in the postseason and and that you know is going to um, pitch in the biggest moments and, and come through for you. Um, so, and I, I think that's kind of seems to be what drove Ralph Terry. And so, so being him being the GOAT in 1960 and um, that kind of getting into that a little bit more, um, there were, if you were the GOAT of a World Series, it's that's kind of a hard thing to shake. Like there, there have been a lot of uh, pitchers who have been, um, considered goats are given up the game-winning home run or a game-winning single or whatever. Even Mariano Rivera has been on the mound as another team was celebrating on the field, and he had to walk off the mound as uh, the other team was celebrating. So that's going to be extremely difficult. And Mariano, of course, was one of the greatest closers and, and probably the greatest closer, I would say the greatest closer in the history of baseball. Um um, so if it can happen to him, it can really happen to anybody. Um, so Ralph Terry, you know, he was 24 years old at this time. Someone like Mariano Rivera in 2001 when he did it, of course, uh, 2001, the Yankees, uh, the Yankees and the Diamondbacks went to Game 7 in the World Series. It was a very, very good World Series. They, uh, the Diamondbacks won the first two games. The Yankees won the next three. Then the Diamondbacks won Game 6. And then um, the Yankees had the lead in the ninth inning. I can't remember the exact score. I think it was like three to two or something like that. Um, of course, the Diamondbacks rallied against Mariano, got some blue hits, and uh, you know I think they bunted on him. And he, but he also hit a batter. He walked a batter. So, anyways, you know, it, it's uh, um, it's it's just when you get to that last out, and you just you just can't make it. It's just. Sometimes the World Series is very, very difficult to pitch in with all that pressure and all those eyes on you. And actually, that brings another point to um, is is that um, in 1960, this didn't really happen. But there have been quite a few times in the history of baseball that there has been uh, golden pitches. They call it golden pitches. Um, the term the golden pitch is defined by the Society for American Baseball Research. Um, uh, and, and it's defined by four characteristics. Um, 
you you have to be pitching in or you have to be playing in a game seven of the World Series in order to to have a golden pitch, um, bottom of the ninth, and uh, or extra innings, um, it has to be in the in those innings. Um, the road team has to have to have the lead, and each team um, the, each team has to have a chance to win the World Series on in, in that inning. So, like. Uh, going back to the 2001 World Series with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks, the Yankees had, I think it was a one-run lead, and um, and Mariano Rivera, uh, you know, every single batter that came up to the plate could have legitimately either won the game or tied the game, at least. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, the Diamondbacks did end up winning the game, but Rivera had to throw some high-stress pitches in the bottom of the ninth. Um, and I... Um, actually, if, uh, uh, getting to back to Ralph Terry, he has actually thrown the most golden pitches in all of baseball. Um, but there are there are other guys that have done it too, like Ralph Branca. He threw some golden pitches um, against the New York Giants in the fifties, and uh, the the famous home run by Robbie Thompson, the shot heard around the world. Um, uh, and that's that's the one where they said the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant. Um, then there was a uh, Mitch Williams in 1993. Um, he was a closer for the Phillies. Um, he, he this one actually wasn't a golden pitch, but it's similar. If it was in Game Seven, I think it would have been a golden pitch. I'm not sure what exactly the score was, but the Phillies were the road team. They were in they were in the ahead before the inning had started, and Mitch Williams he was the goat of the game. But Joe Carter stepped up. The Phillies didn't have a chance to win the World Series. They were just trying to get it to Game Seven, too. So that's another reason why it wasn't a golden pitch. Um, so it didn't, they didn't have Game Seven of the World Series, and also um, that they, uh, yeah, they, they didn't have a chance to win the World Series either. Um, the, the 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 Blue Jays, though, of course, they were. I think they were leading that series three to two. Yeah, it must have been three to two. Joe Carter won the World Series. Um, on a walk-off home run in Toronto. And um, so Mitch Williams, of course, became the GOAT of Philadelphia for years and probably still is. Um, and then there's, uh, and I'm sure Ralph Branca was for the Brooklyn Dodgers too. And Ralph Branca was a very good pitcher um, back in the 50s. And there was also Aroldis Chapman for the Chicago Cubs who pitched through some golden pitches. Um, but the only thing is Chapman was able to he, I, well, actually, Chapman, the golden pitches came, I believe, with him. It was in the bottom of the ninth, and he blew the save, but then the Cubs ended up coming back to win. Um, but uh, that that was also another year. And, of course, I think I mentioned uh, the 2014 World Series. Madison Bumgarner had a one nothing lead going into the bottom of the ninth. Giants ended up winning the World Series against the Royals. Um, so that was another year where the pitcher ended up getting the job done, even though he had to throw some golden pitches. But it doesn't happen very often. The more golden pitches that you throw, the probably the higher the likelihood of your team losing um, because it's it's extremely hard to pitch in that type of an environment, especially if you're on the road. And obviously, Ralph Terry, the Yankees in 1960, were on the road um, against Pittsburgh. Um, but anyways, um, I, I yeah, they were. And anyways, um, so... Moving on to the 1962 season, uh, Ralph Terry, he had a 23-12 and 12 
record that year, the most wins in all of the American League that year, led the league. Um, uh, and he also had an ERA of 3.19, 39 starts made, which is an incredible amount of starts, especially considering today's um, pitchers really don't throw that many starts. Really, the managers, I mean, it's, that's an awful lot of starts for anybody to make. So, I mean, uh, to, uh, but to, to be able to do that and to pitch as effectively as he did just shows what kind of pitcher he was at that time. Um, he made he pitched in 43 games overall, so he did, did pitch in relief a little bit. He had 218 and a third innings pitched, and he had a 118 ERA adjusted, so well above an average uh, pitcher. Um, he was 39 and 12 in 1961 and 1962, so he definitely stepped up in the regular season anyway. But he was still, um, you know, people just thought of him as not being a clutch pitcher, just being somebody that couldn't rise up to the occasion in the postseason. And I'm sure that had to eat at him. And obviously, he wanted to prove himself. Um, so, of course, the Yankees, um, they, as we know now, the Yankees won the, won the American League pennant in 1962 and uh, they went on to go to the World Series because they had the best record in the American League the New York Giants had and I believe at this time they were the San Francisco Giants actually because they had just moved from uh, uh, New York to San Fran um, but the New York Giants had a juggernaut of an offense including three Hall of Famers of course Willie Mays, Willie McCovey uh, and also Orlando Cepeda um, so three extremely good uh, hitters, and of course three of the best hitters of, in baseball history. And they also had Matty Alou and Felipe Alou. Felipe Alou was the manager for the Montreal Expos for quite a few years and um, a few other teams as well. Um, but the Alou brothers at that time were pretty good ball players, and they also had Juan Marichal. So the Giants were no slouch at all. Um, if anything, they may have been a better team than the 1960 Pirates were, um, but that just shows you how good the, the Giants were. So this World Series was no different than the other one. It went all seven games. Um, of course, Ralph Terry, um, he pitched in the World Series. Um, Ralph Terry pitched a lot better in this World Series. He had a 1.80 ERA in 25 um, innings. Uh, for the Yankees, so he, he definitely stepped up for the Yankees, and and he even got into the same situation as he did back in um, 1960. Uh, he pitched the entire game in 1962 in Game Seven, and the the game was one to nothing. The uh, Yankees were winning, so it was one nothing in the bottom of the ninth. Ralph Terry, he I believe he ended up getting uh, the first two batters out. He let a batter on on a bunt, and then Willie Mays got up, and Willie Mays hit a double to right field. Um, Roger Maris uh, made the play. Roger Maris had a cannon of an arm, and uh, I believe it was Matty Alou or Felipe Alou um, uh, was the runner on first base who who, who bunted themselves on. Um, it was a drag drag bunt, I believe, and um, so uh, Matty Alou. Uh, was rounding third, but then he got held up by the third base coach because Roger Maris had a really good arm. So they had runners on second and third, um, and I believe there was like one out. I, yeah, I believe one out. And they had Willie McCovey and Orlando Cepeda at the plate. And so there, the likelihood of the Giants scoring was very, very good, having two Hall of Famers. And, of course, Ralph Terry being a righty, uh, Willie McCovey being a lefty. And Willie McCovey was a big, big guy. 
um, one of the best power hitters in baseball history, um, one of the best hitters in baseball history. And um, so second and third, and there was actually there was two outs, um, one out the Yankees. So obviously, of course, the same situation. Um, uh, McCovey actually hit a long fly ball it was uh, to, to the right field, down the right field line, but it went foul. Um, which, of course, if it had been fair, would have won won the game, and he would have been the goal again. Um, however, it wasn't. And then the very next pitch, uh, he kind of changed speeds on McCovey, and McCovey smashed a line drive right, right. Or it looked like it was going to go right over uh, Bobby Richardson's head, I guess. And but Richardson actually leaped and made a great catch, and uh, you know the Yankees won the World Series, and Ralph Terry finally got the monkey off his back. And, you know, he, he had a second chance, which doesn't happen very often. A lot of those, a lot of those other guys like Mitch Williams, um, they, they've never really gotten the chance to redeem themselves. Um, they, they never got the chance to redeem themselves. Um, like uh, Bill Buckner, for instance. Um, and Bill Buckner was actually a pretty good ball player, but he just wasn't, he was always known for that, that play in 1986. And, um, that kind of defined his career, unfortunately. Um, so Ralph Terry just he would just wanted another chance to just you know prove that prove that he he could do it. He he could pitch in the postseason, and he even won the World Series MVP that year in 1962, having a 1.80 ERA and pitching 25 innings in 1962. So I just it's kind of a nice story as far as re- redeeming himself and. Um, you know, it's something that you don't really, it doesn't happen too much. Like, it really doesn't happen at all where a pitcher gets a, a second chance in a World Series, and especially doing it against a team that was had an, probably an even better offense, not to not to diminish what the Pirates um, did in 1960, but that San Francisco Giants offense in 1962 was great. Having three Hall of Famers, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, uh, Orlando Cepeda, and I'm sure there's guys that I'm I'm not naming. Um, uh, Matty Alou was a pretty good ball player. Felipe Alou, I believe, was as well. Um, Juan Marichal, another Hall of Famer. So, of course, Marichal being a pitcher. Um, but, I mean, the that Giants team was incredible. So, it's just it's uh, to me it's just an inspiring story. I just felt like it was a good story to to tell. So at the end of that game, he was named the World Series MVP, and um, he said after the game that he wanted to prove to himself that he was just as good of a pitcher in October as he was in the regular season. Um, and I think that just goes to show you just um, like how much like uh, how much it meant to him to get a second chance, and for really anybody, any pitcher that has has been a goal or has like had given up a big home run or a big hit like uh you know jose mesa for instance against the marlins he was i mean i don't well he had some he had some pretty good years after 97 when the marlins won the world series against the cleveland indians which the indians were clearly the they were well the marlins had a very good team too but the indians the indians had also had a very good team I, i think um but you know, um, so anyways, kind of getting back to 1962, it's just, I, f- I feel like Ralph Terry's story kind of just shows that you can get a second chance. It's just, it's extremely hard. And to do what Ralph Terry did, throw eight 
golden pitches against a lineup like the New York Giants or San Francisco Giants at that time. I mean, that's that's a pretty tall, tall feat. Um, so, I mean, it's just something I just thought was an interesting story to mention. Anyways, I just want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode on Ralph Terry. Um, there's going to be a lot more episodes coming out. Um, I appreciate you sticking with us. Um, before I let you go, I just wanted to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater, Time Machine, and Real Talk with Sensei Nick. Feel free to go to www.4041media.com for more information on all of that stuff. And again, I just want to thank you all for listening. And as always, Go Yankees! Go Yankees!